Revelation chapter 7. We're going to take a commercial tonight. Now, actually, Revelation chapter 7 is what is commonly referred to as parenthetical, or it's an inset. By that I mean it's like a commercial. Uh, we're not advertising anything, but it's, it's, what we're doing is leaving the general progression of the book and going to tell you about something that is happening during the time frame that God is judging the earth. So there's several of these in the book of Revelation. Um, they're referred to by commentators as insets in, in the chronological happenings of, of the, the book. Uh, chapter 7 gives us two, and, we're, and one is the ceiling of the, the 144,000. The other one is a picture of a great multitude of saved people. I need to turn it on too, right? A great multitude of saved people. So, so you know, again, we're leaving the chronological order of happenings, and he's going to give us, uh, tell us about something that's happening during this chronological time of events. Uh, so there's two there in chapter seven. There's two. Uh, there's there's one in chapter eleven. You have another inset of the two witnesses, which many believe is Mo, Moses and Elijah. Which that's what I believe it is. Who I believe it is. The two witnesses are going to prophesy three and a half years. Uh, in chapter twelve is another one. There's two wonders. Uh, it talks about. Israel symbolized as a woman with a moon under her feet and 12 stars crowned on her head. And then, of course, the child speaks of Christ, but also it talks about Satan. And, and then in chapter 13, you have two beasts. And, and uh, you have the Antichrist and the false prophet. Again, these are things that are happening during this time period, during this, the chronology, you might say. And then in chapter 17 and 18, you have the Babylons. So these are these are insets. Uh, these are things that are happening during the time that seven-year period of time, and so uh, he just gives us some things that are going on during this time period, you might say, uh, in the Book of Revelation. Um, so tonight we're going to look at this, the first two, and that's the uh, the ceiling of the seven of the hundred forty-four thousand. So let's read chapter seven. It says after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth holding the four winds of the earth, that the winds should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed. And they were sealed in 140 and 4,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. A lot of people don't believe that today, but that's what the Bible says. And the, you know, the, one of the, one of the, one of the uh, uh, rules of interpretation is when plain sense makes common sense, seek no other sense. And there's no reason to believe otherwise than what is written here. Uh, but as I'll show you, there's many that believe otherwise. But anyway, um, <clears throat> verse 5. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Asher were sealed 12,000. 
of the tribe of Naphtalun were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manasseh were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Isaacer were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulun were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, shall lead them unto living waters, or living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll look at this. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word tonight. And I pray as we look under this passage of scripture, Father, that we would uh, glean some truths that would encourage us and challenge us in our walk with you. And Father... Um, help us to realize that uh, you have loved mankind with an everlasting love. You have desired men of all times and all periods to be, be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So, you, Lord, just speak to our hearts and challenge us and encourage us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If I was going to, I guess, title this tonight, I'd just say that God does fulfill his promises. And we see this, first of all, tonight. Uh, first thing I want to notice here is God promises that promises to Abraham being fulfilled. Now, as you know, um, <clears throat> the children of Israel rejected their Messiah and 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 crucified him. Of course, we understand that it was our sin that put him on the cross. But but they they rejected him as a nation, as a people. They rejected him and and crucified him. And and in Romans, Paul tells us in the book of Romans that they were set aside uh, for a time. Uh, but God made promises to Israel in in the Old Testament, and you know, of course, Abraham was called out of the era of the Chaldees, and and so God is choosing a nation to follow him, a nation of people that would become of Abraham, and He gave a special promise, special promises to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, and he says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto the land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And then in Genesis chapter 17, verse 7, again he says, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant. An everlasting covenant. 
to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. So God here is making a promise to Abraham and to his seed forever. An everlasting covenant. That, that there would be this covenant between him and his seed. It's an everlasting covenant. And of course, you know, there are many today that believe that God has set Israel aside permanently. But in Revelation chapter, or not Revelation, Romans chapter 11, Romans chapter 11, in verses 7 uh, through 12, Romans chapter 11, verse 7 through 12, Paul, Apostle Paul, of course, under inspiration of the Holy Ghost, says, What then hath Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded? According as is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them, that their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their back alway. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? In other words, have they stumbled that they should be fall and stay fallen? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. And if you drop down to verse 16, he says, For if the first fruit be holy... The lump is also holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. And the first fruit here, I think, is referring to the nation of Israel. Uh, in fact, in Revelation 14, speaking about this 144,000, Revelation 14 and verse, uh, I think it's verse 1. Revelation 14 and verse, verse no, actually it's verse 4. It says, These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins, these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. So uh, they're called the first fruits. And, and really, Israel is the first fruit. They are the first chosen. Now, the first fruit here, there's several different meanings about this first fruit in the Bible. You know, Paul talked to, when he wrote to the church at Corinth about the first fruits of the resurrection. And those were those that resurrected with Christ when he resurrected from the grave. That's the first fruits. And, and of course, that, that will be together with the, what we call the rapture of the saints. That's the, called the first resurrection. And then, so, so that's going to be the first fruits, those two to combine. And then, then cometh the end ones. So there's going to be several different resurrections. And, of course, the end ones will be those resurrected during the tribulation. They will be resurrected as well. So, so that's referred to as first fruits. But, but Israel is the first chosen of God. Uh, for example, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, it says, And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Of course, Romans 1.16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew, what? First. And also to the Greek. So, but when he was referring to the first fruits, he's talking, of course, here about Israel. If the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And in verse 17 in Romans, Romans 11 it says, 
You know, some of the branches are broken off. That'll be a wild olive tree. Talking about the Gentiles are the wild olive tree. Israel's branches were broken off. Notice it says some of them. Not everybody in Israel rejected Messiah. As a nation, they did, but not everybody did. The disciples were all Jews, except possibly maybe, I'm sorry, Luke wasn't a disciple. Uh, he, He was used, the Lord, to pen scripture, but he wasn't a disciple. All the disciples were Jewish, so there were, wasn't, not everybody of the Jewish people rejected the Messiah, but as a nation they did. So some were broken off, and now be a wild olive tree, that's the we Gentiles, were grafted among them, and with them partake us of the root and fatness of the altar. In other words, we receive of the blessing of God through Abraham. And, and he says, boast not against the branches. Now, in other words, don't boast against the children of Israel, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then the branches were broken off that, that, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unleaf they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare thee not. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God, and them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, notice this, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For thou, if thou wert cut out of the olive tree which was wild by nature, and wert grafted in contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, that you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened unto Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. That fullness of Gentiles refers to the, the end of Gentile domination in this world. And, and then in verse 26 he says, And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, which I shall take away their sins. And in verse 30 and 31 he says, For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed, that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. So when God talks about the Jews being cast off and they and we being grafted in and we then cause jealousy in their part and, and he says that, that through their unbelief we have been grafted in but through our belief uh, through, uh, through, the, uh, through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. And so, when he says that all Israel shall be saved, there's going to be a remnant, a remnant, all of which are going to receive the Messiah. And it seems to indicate, really, as we're thinking about time periods here, and we don't know for sure, but it seems that most commentators say that this happens at the beginning of the tribulation. Now, remember what we read last week about the... Uh, Antichrist coming on the scene and making a pact with Israel. And, it's, and we believe that there are some in Israel going to say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This can't be. This can't be the Messiah. And, 
And there are going to be, you know, some believe. I remember there was, when we were in Maryland, there was a, a guy. I know, remember he was from Buffalo, New York, snow country. And he was a missionary to the Jews. And he was talking about this very thing, about those, you know, these, these 144,000, you know, Revelation chapter 14 describes them uh, as, as uh, um, having his, their father's name written in their foreheads and, and, and they, they sing the song of the Lamb and so on and so forth. And, and these 144,000 are going to go all over the world preaching the gospel. And they're all Jews. They're all Jews, like Jewish evangelists. Now, there are no churches during the tribulation period. It's like the Old Testament time. But they're going to go to all the world preaching the gospel. So it's believed that these men are going to say, you know, you know the rapture of the, of the saints will have taken place. That's going, to, that's going to raise a lot of questions in a lot of people's minds. You know, there are, there are many people who, who are, are going to be given a strong delusion. You know, I believe if a person's alive today and the, and the rapture of the saints takes place, and they have been have they've had a clear presentation of the gospel, and they've chosen to reject it. I believe God's going to give them a strong delusion, and they're going to continue to believe the lies of the devil. But there are many, many people who have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel, even to this day. And so, you know, there are going to be many, and of course, this is pointing out that there are going to be one hundred and forty-four thousand of these Jews who are going to turn to the Lord and, 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 and they're, going to, they're going to be, they are referred to as the first fruits of the saved remnant of the Jewish people. Uh, you know, many have tried to claim or laid claim to this 144,000 number. We know the Jehovah's Witnesses have, have claimed that, that they are 144,000. They used to say, that they were the 144,000, and when they reached 144,000, the end of the world was coming. Well, however, the end of the world hasn't come, and there's a lot more of them than 144,000. So now that 144,000 is a select group of Jehovah's Witnesses who are going to live in heaven, and the rest of us are going to dwell on the earth or something like that. I, you know, it constantly changes. Who knows? Uh, the Seventh-day Adventists have, have laid claim because they live in the Old Testament, the dietary laws. They've laid claim to the 144,000. The Worldwide Church of God, I think, is now defunct. Uh, the Mormons claim they are the lost ten tribes of Israel. And even the Roman Catholic Church and Protestants have taught that the church is the lost tribes of Israel. But again, the word of God is very plain here. There's no symbolism hinted here. There are 12,000 from each tribe. It names them. And, and this demonstrates that God will keep his promises that he made to Abraham, that he made to his children, that he made to Israel. It just demonstrates the omniscience of Almighty God. Though the Jews have lost their genealogical records, they cannot prove, many of them cannot prove who they are or where they come from. God knows who they are. God knows who they are. God knows who we are. He knows the very head, hairs of our head. He knows more about you than you do. And so God's promises to Abraham are being fulfilled here. And he's gonna, God's going to seal these 144,000 with his seal in their foreheads. It's interesting, this is in their foreheads. You know, what's the Antichrist going to do? You know, God, the devil always imitates the Lord. 
God's going to put their seal on their foreheads. I believe it's going to be something that's evident. And the Antichrist, is, you're going to be required to take a, a seal, or the number of his name is either going to be in your forehead or on your hand. So we see here God's promises to Abraham being fulfilled. Uh, these are the first fruits. There will be many more Jewish people who saved. But notice, secondly, God's promise of salvation from sin is to every people in every time. Now, verses 9 through 17, you have this group of people who are saved during the tribulation period. Uh, and it says in verse 9, After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude. I mean, the word is great is mega. So we're talking about a great multitude of people, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. You know, the palms speak of, of victory. And, and so these are, these are uh, standing before the Lord, clothed with white robes. White robes speaks of the fact that they've been washed. It speaks of purity. But it, it demonstrates to us that, you know, and think about it. Think about the, what we're talking about here or the time frame we're talking about. This is a time that you know, we're in the part of the book of, of Revelation where the Lord is beginning to pour out His judgment on the wickedness of mankind for the rejection of Him. And yet out of that time, there's this great multitude which no man can number that is saved, that comes to the Lord in salvation. You know, we wouldn't often think those two things go together, but they do. Of course, there will be a greater number of people on the earth than ever before during this time. Uh, the rapture of the saints, again, will have taken place, and that's going to have, I believe, an impact on some. Uh, and then you're going to have these 144,000 Jewish evangelists going all over the world preaching the gospel. And, of course, there's going to be great persecution as well. But... There's a couple of things I see here. First of all, we see that God is no respecter of persons. In verse 9 again, After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man can number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. God's salvation is offered to all men. All men. Uh, in Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, In verse 11, it says, Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. And then in verse 25, he says, verse 24 and 25, Knowing ye, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, for there is no respect of persons with God. I was talking, I guess it was yesterday, with my brother-in-law. And uh, I was talking about this bumper sticker I saw on a lady's car. And I won't tell you what it says. But anyway, he said, he said, he said that's a society, the culture that's become prevalent. 
talk about wickedness, uh, the wickedness. But I said, you, but I said, you know, but even in that, I said, you know, it isn't new. I said, most commentators believe Manasseh had a brothel in the temple. Can you imagine turning a church into a brothel? Well, I would say a lot of churches today are spiritual brothels. They're committing spiritual adultery. They become entertainment centers. But can you imagine turning it, uh, uh, the temple of God into a brothel? And, and where they would not only you know, commit these acts of uh, sexual wickedness, but, but also they offered babies on altars. But yet, that same king, when he's put in irons, repented and turned to the Lord. And God gave him his throne back. He gave him his throne back. You see, in his afflictions, he turned to the Lord. And he recognized his sin and his wickedness and the righteousness of God. And he turned to the Lord. See, God is no respecter of persons. Uh, Salvation is offered to all. He doesn't say, well, you're too bad a sinner. Or you're too good a person. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it doesn't matter what class and society you're in or what color your skin is, salvation is offered to all. We also see that salvation is the same for all. In verses 10 and 14, notice it says, And he cried, these cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and under the Lamb. Verse 14, And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood. Of the Lamb. You see, salvation is the same to all. It's through the Lamb. God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. It's through the Lamb of God that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it's through His shed blood that we are washed from our sins. It's the same for all. But it also demonstrates that God has sought to redeem men from every dispensation, or we, the dispensation means time period. You know, this is, again, I mentioned this a little bit. This is the tribulation period. This is the time that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24, where he says, except those days be shortened, no flesh should be saved. So we're talking about a period where the main focus is that God is pouring out his wrath upon the wickedness of mankind for the rejection of his son. They're rebelling against him through the centuries. But yet in that time period, there's a great multitude to be saved. And we see, this demonstrates... You know, this, the thought that came to me was that this demonstrates that God in every time period has sought to redeem men to himself. Think about it. Immediately when Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis 3.15, he gave the gospel in seed form, you might say. In Genesis 3.15, when after Adam and Eve sinned, he, he gave... Uh, He said this, 
I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, that's what they call the gospel in seed form. It's a reference to the fact that the seed of the woman would bruise the head or would deal a death blow to the power of Satan. He had the power of death. That's what he had. He held us in bondage. He had the power of death. And so, so God would eventually bruise or deal a death blow to Satan and deliver a man who is in bondage all his lifetime, subject to bondage. Of course, Hebrews 2 tells us that. So even then, you know, he, he, he gave this promise to them of a redeemer that will redeem them. And of course, they were instructed to bring a lamb that speaks of substitution. Uh, in Jude, or Enoch spoke of this in, en- in Jude chapter 14 and 15 where he talked about the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints. Uh, Noah spoke of it, uh, in, of course, in Genesis chapter 6 and 7 uh, and through 8. But we have uh, in First Peter, he's mentioned in First Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. First Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. It says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he bringeth unto God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedience, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was appearing, wherein few, that his eight souls were saved by water. So Noah preached, Noah was preaching salvation to those people for 120 years. Even Job, the oldest book in the Bible is Job. It was, Job preceded Moses. Job is believed, may have lived during the days of the patriarchs, or he may have lived before Abraham. We don't know exactly, but it's considered the oldest book in the Bible, and Job said this, Job 19.25, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And he said, in my flesh, I shall see God. I know my Redeemer liveth. Redeemer. You know, Abraham believed in a coming Savior in Genesis 22, 8. He says, God will provide himself a lamb. For a burnt offering. Of course, Exodus gives us pictures of Christ, the Old Testament, the Passover lamb speaks of Christ. The tabernacle and the sacrifices and offerings speaks of Christ. All these things speak of Christ. In fact, the New Testament in Colossians 2.17, Paul wrote to the church of Colossians again and says, which are a shadow of things to come. They were shadows of things to come, but the body is of Christ. In Hebrews 10.1, he says, for the law having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, Make the comers there unto perfect. But what I'm saying here is, God has demonstrated, it demonstrates to us that God has sought to redeem man in every dispensation. Those in the Old Testament look forward to Christ, and we look back. But God revealed to them how they too could know redemption that was to come through Christ. So we see that God demonstrates 
uh, he sought to redeem man from every, every dispensation. But also, a, a third thing we see here is that it demonstrates that it pleases God to save man from his sin, not condemn him to eternal judgment. You know, again, the book of Revelation, chapter 6 through 19, is about God judging mankind for his rejection of the Messiah. But in the midst of that, God is still merciful, God is still gracious, God is still loving and desiring that as many as would, would receive salvation and not be condemned to eternal judgment. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, God was prepared for a way of redemption. He's already prepared. You know, the Bible says in, 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 in Revelation, I think it's chapter 13, and, and verse uh, uh, 8, uh, that Christ was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God was already prepared with salvation for Adam and Eve the day they sinned. God has foreknowledge. You know, this salvation was offered in Noah's day. It was offered to Old Testament Israel. It was offered to the nations. We know that Jonah took the, the gospel to the nation, to Nineveh. And it says they repented from the least to the greatest. You see, it was offered to the nations. It was offered to Babylon. I believe Nebuchadnezzar, my personal opinion is, Nebuchadnezzar got saved. But his grandson, Belshazzar, rebelled against the Lord. But Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself. You see, this salvation, even in the Old Testament, it wasn't just to Israel. In fact, Isaiah says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. Israel was to be a witness to the nations around them of the redemption that was offered to them through the Messiah that would come. Ezekiel 18, 31. Ezekiel says, Cast away all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed, and make ye a new heart, a new spirit. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? Ezekiel 33, 11. Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? And of course, in the New, you come to the New Testament in Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three. Verse eight. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing: that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And, you know, the, the question that Peter is answering here is, you know, the, 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 the question that's being raised is, if the Lord's coming, we've been hearing about it for a thousand years, if the Lord's coming, you know, where is the promise? Why isn't he come? Why is he tarrying? Peter said, because he's long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
In Jeremiah 31, 3, the Lord said, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. You know, even the end of the book of Revelation, again, the book that records the judgment of the wicked, and the end of the book in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, he says, Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according as the work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and adulterers, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. Let him as a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. See, he's still offering the gift of salvation to whosoever will may come. You see, God is not willing that any should perish. You know, we know this is a familiar passage, but how often do we really think about the entire context of John chapter 3 and verse 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. God didn't send his Son into the world so that men could reject him and die and go to hell. That wasn't his purpose in sending him. His purpose in sending him was that they would believe on him. They would believe on him. He didn't send them into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But he that believeth not, believeth on him, is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, God didn't send his Son to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. The world's already condemned. You know, we're all lawbreakers. Every one of us. There's not a man alive. There's not a just man in the earth that sinneth not, Solomon said. So we're all lawbreakers. I'm not talking about the U.S. government laws or the state of North Carolina law. I'm talking about God's law. We're all lawbreakers. Every one of us have broken God's law. That makes us condemned before a holy and righteous God. In fact, James tells us, if you sin one point, you're guilty of all. In other words, you're condem- still condemned. If you, only, if you only break one of the Ten Commandments, you're still condemned before God because God cannot look upon even one sin. We're still all lawbreakers. So we're already condemned. We were already condemned. But God sent his son to redeem us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. He took our condemnation that we might have his life. You see, again, in the context of Revelation chapter 7, 
where God is pouring out his wrath on unbelieving mankind. And that's really the focal point of Revelation 6 to 19. But yet in the midst of that, he is offering his salvation. You know, he's got these 144,000 evangelists running around the world preaching the gospel of the everlasting kingdom. And, and one of the, and I can't remember where it is, but in Revelation it talks about an angel flying through the heavens declaring the everlasting gospel. You know, they're going to see things during the tribulation that, that aren't happening now. Miraculous things. The point is, God is still pleased to offer his salvation and to save those who will believe. Your God loves man. He's not willing that any should perish. You know, Jesus said in John 15, verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. I lay down my life for thee. But he died while we were still his enemies. He gave his life while we were still his enemies. And so we see that God loves. God's desire is that all men would come to the saving knowledge of the truth, put their faith in his Son, whom he has sent. Oh, there's going to be a great multitude of saved. God's still in the soul-saving business, even in the midst of a great tribulation as it's described. And of course, he's still interested in saving souls today. And we need to be witnesses for him, seeking those who know not the truth that they too would have that assurance of eternal life in a home reserved in heaven. God will fulfill his promises. We can rest assured. We need to trust those promises and act upon them. Let's pray.